This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Gusto, modern, easy payroll benefits for small businesses across the country. And because you're a listener, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. Find out at gusto.com slash tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is John Livesay. He's also known as the Pitch Whisperer. He's a sales expert and storytelling keynote speaker on sales, marketing, negotiation, and persuasion. He's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Better Selling Through Storytelling, The Essential Roadmap to Becoming a Revenue Rockstar. So John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. So I think a lot of marketers, even increasingly small business owners, are kind of getting uh, uh, into this idea of storytelling as you know a great uh, great marketing tactic. But how, how how would you describe storytelling in the sales purely sales environment? Well, the old way of selling is to push out a bunch of information, hope some of it sticks. Yeah, and you know. It just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So what storytelling does is it allows you to be memorable and magnetic because we're wired to listen to stories in a very different way than we do when someone's giving us a bunch of information of features and things. And stories pull us in and also our defenses go down. So when you tell a good story of a case study and turn that into an interesting story with a little bit of drama or a personal story of why you became a lawyer, an entrepreneur, an architect, whatever it is you're doing, that's what people remember about you. And when you're going up against competitors, if you really want to be memorable, people say, oh, well, we hope to go last if it's a final three. But you can't control that. <laughs> yeah. What you can control is telling a good story. So would you say that this is sort of new to selling, uh, that it's not the way that maybe was taught in the you know traditional sales training of 10 years ago? I would say it is a relatively new awareness of its importance. Right. You know, <clears throat> traditional selling was, you know, uh, tell them what the features are and then tell them what the benefits are and say, show how it solves a problem. But there was no story there. Yeah. Um, I was working with an architecture firm and they traditionally would go in for these, you know, final three one hour presentations, pitches, interviews, whatever you want to call it, and, you know, show their work. And think, well, whoever has the best design to remodel a law firm or an airport will get the business. So it was all about, or an ad agency goes in to pitch to win new clients. Well, here's our work. Yep. There's no story about them or how they came up with the concept or another story of somebody they helped. And so this awareness that whoever tells the best story is going to get the yes is something that a lot of people are going, wow, we, we really need to learn to become better storytellers. So this is off the topic a, a little bit, but in researching uh, your work uh, in preparation for this interview, uh, I stumbled upon a video of a YouTube video, I think, of, of you uh, being interviewed by Larry King. Yes. Uh, and so I'm curious how that came about, just because I don't think of Larry King interviewing sales authors. <laughs> well, um, he has a show called Breakfast with Larry King, mm -hmm. and a friend of mine has is one of the elite group of people that gets to have breakfast with him on a regular oh, basis, okay. and um, one of them is named Cal Fussman, yeah. who, who uh, was a journalist for Esquire magazine, and, and Cal's also a keynote speaker, and he had said, you know, I've got to learn how to sell myself as a speaker, and I'm a journalist. I don't know how to sell. I said, oh, but Cal, you know how to tell great stories, and you yeah. know how to ask great questions. 
Um, so let me show you how your journalist skill of storytelling can help you sell yourself. And that was a big light bulb moment for him. And then he said, oh, I want to have you on the show uh, with Larry <laughs> King. And I did my research, as you can imagine, Larry's done over 60,000 interviews. Wow. And I read that he does not like small talk. Mm, okay. <laughs> so I had some things ready to go that were about him and not about the weather or anything. And yeah. one of them was um, he got his big break interviewing Frank Sinatra when he was just as a, a radio mm -hmm. uh, DJ and not a television personality. And um, I had mentioned to him off camera, I said, oh, I really love that story of, you know, you interviewing Frank Sinatra caused you to get your big break. And he smiled and said, ah, that was a good night. So on <laughs> camera, he's looking at my book and he said, you know, your book's called Better Selling Through Storytelling. What makes a good story? And John, I don't know what made me have the courage to say this. I said, well, you have such a great story of how you got discovered by, you know, interviewing Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Would you mind telling that story? And then we can break down the elements of that for the audience. And he goes, sure. So he told the story and then I broke it down into the four elements of what makes a good story, which is basically exposition, painting a picture, there's a problem and there's a solution and then the secret sauce is resolution and I'm happy to share that story if you want to hear it, but uh, that's how that all happened. That is fun. Um, so you mentioned the, you, you, you mentioned the, and, and maybe we, maybe we can weave the story in there, but I want to also get into, uh, you know, some of the other elements of the book. You mentioned one of my favorite words, problems. It's not really a favorite word necessarily, but, but I've discovered that a lot of times people searching for a solution don't actually know what the problem is or can't really articulate. It's just, I don't have enough sales or my business just doesn't feel right, you know. And what I've found is that storytelling a lot of times, or at least telling the story of, you know, how they maybe got to this point or something, a lot of times helps them actually understand the problem. And and I think there's such a strong connection. I at least I've discovered in in you know the the person who can actually describe or articulate or you know you mentioned empathy have empathy with what the real problem is. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times has such an advantage, don't they? Well, they really do, John. I mean, I always like to say that the better you describe the problem and show empathy for the people experiencing the problem, the better the potential buyer thinks you have their solution. Right. That's when you get that aha moment where someone says, oh, you get me, yeah. or you are in my <laughs> shoes. Right. And if someone isn't able, you know, in, in psychotherapy, when people come in for therapy, they say, oh, um, you know, I'm here because I'm having trouble sleeping. And that's known as the presenting problem. That's right. not really right. the core right. problem. The problem is, They've got money issues or what if something else is keeping them up besides sleep problems. Yeah. So I think the same is true as salespeople. We need to think of ourselves as uh, almost doctors a little bit where we're asking questions and not just accepting the first problem somebody says is the reason they're here. Yeah, because so often they're not ready to even hear a conversation about what we sell because they can't really connect their problem with our solution. I mean, isn't isn't that kind of a lot of the danger of just showing up and going, here's what you need? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, until you realize you have a problem yeah. uh, that needs some help, it's the difference between Advil for a migraine versus you need a vitamin to prevent your sick. <laughs> you know, it's like there's no – I don't really need it now then if it's just a vitamin. Yeah. But uh, that's what storytelling is so great at. If you describe another person that's very similar to the person you're in front of, and here's what I found out. You know, you tell the story. You, 
two years ago, they came to me. They weren't quite sure what was wrong with their business. They knew they needed more sales. And the problem was just sort of hazy for them. And after working with them, we defined that there's really three obstacles. And here's what those three obstacles were. And here's the solution we came up with. And now, a year after using my product or service, their life is so much better. That's the resolution. You know, yeah. Sales are up 10%. They're not stressed out. Uh, they feel better. So you're giving all kinds of... Um, and if that sounds like the kind of journey you'd like to go right. on, then we might be able to work together. Yeah. So now your closing question is, does that sound like the kind of journey you'd like to go on? Yeah. Not do you want to buy my product? Yeah, yeah. So so you just showed me how to structure a story around uh, a, a problem. What about the the what's every salesperson's initial problem? I don't get a chance to tell the story because I can't get my foot in the door. I mean, is there a way to use storytelling? Or I know you you talk a lot about elevator pitches, uh, yes. for, you know, for gaining trust. I mean, how do, how do you get that kind of first chance to tell the story? Well, I think a lot of it is to be aware that people have three unspoken questions before they let you come in or even when they're here on the phone or in person with them. And the first one is it's a gut thing. Do yeah. I trust you? Yeah. And that's really whether a fight or flight response came. You know, is it safe to talk, open this email? Is it safe to even have a conversation with you? And then it moves to the, from the gut to the heart. Do I like you? Are you showing any empathy, likability? And then it goes into the head and you might be telling a story about how you've helped other people. People are thinking, well, would this work for me? Mm -hmm. And if they can't see themselves in the story, they still won't do it. So I think um, getting your foot in the door especially if you're at a, let's say, a networking event, a good elevator pitch is not an invitation for a 10-minute monologue. Yeah. I, I tell people, um, make it very conversational. So literally start out with, you know how a lot of sales teams are struggling to make themselves be memorable and not just be selling on price? Well, what I do is I help people go from invisible to irresistible, and I'm called the pitch whisperer. And that's all I say. Yeah. And that usually intrigues people enough to say, huh, what's a pitch whisperer? Yeah. Or how do you go from invisible to irresistible? But you describe the problem of, oh yeah, I'm struggling with being memorable or I'm struggling with only being, you know, seen as a commodity. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves payday, but loving a payroll provider? That's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and management tools to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal. It's modern. You might fall in love yourself. Hey, and as a listener, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. So try a demo and test it out at gusto.com slash tape. That's gusto.com slash tape. We've all probably... Um, seeing that person that just like holds a whole, you know, entire dinner party wrapped with their storytelling. They just seem to be mm -hmm. really good at it. <laughs> um, yes. Is there a way for, because I'm sure there's a whole lot of listeners out there going, well, I'm just terrible at it. I can't think of a story to tell. I'm not, I stumble through the details or, you know, whatever yeah. they're thinking. Is there a way to get better at it? it yes. It's like a, uh, any other skill. You practice it. Yeah. You just, the awareness of what makes a good story those four elements that I talked about earlier, you know, don't just start in describing the problem. Give us some perspective. In order for us to be in the story, we have to paint the picture and have a little bit of drama in your problem. Don't make the problem seem so easy that it's not interesting or there's no conflict or suspense of whether it's going to get solved or not. Yeah. And 
a really great story has a little resolution bumper surprise to it that makes people go, ah, oh, and you know you've told a really great story, John, when other people want to share it with their friends. Uh, can you think of readily of an example of that, that bumper surprise uh, element? Yes, let's go back to the Larry King example. Okay. So Larry King gets the opportunity to interview Frank Sinatra at a time when nobody, he wasn't doing any press interviews because his son had just been kidnapped. Mm. This is in the 60s, and he was blaming, you know, he was really mad at the media because they were saying it was due to Frank Sinatra's mafia connections. Right. So Jackie Gleason uh, is a friend of Larry King's from an interview and offers to set up the interview. It goes really well, and Frank, Frank brings up the kidnapping, and so it was great. And then he invites him to bring a date to come hear him sing the next day. And Larry's thinking, oh, man, this is great. Uh, whoever I bring is going to think I'm really hot stuff. And Larry didn't have a lot of money at the time. And, you know, they're sitting at the front table by the stage and Frank calls his name out. And so Larry's just like, oh, the evening couldn't have gone better. And he's uh, driving his date back to her place. And she's like, oh, um, stop here and um, buy some coffee for tomorrow morning. I don't have any. And, you know, this is before a lot of ATMs and credit cards were being used. And Larry didn't have any cash on him. He didn't want to blow the whole cool right. guy image. Yeah. So he walks into the store Comes back a few minutes. She's like, where's the coffee? He goes, mm, they couldn't change a hundred. <laughs> That's the resolution of the story. Yeah. <laughs> now, had he just had the story of, you know, I interviewed Frank Sinatra. I got my big break. That's interesting, but it's not nearly as memorable as that whole journey of the date. Yeah. So how do salespeople, I mean, how do you suggest? Because, again, that was a great story. Um, but mm -hmm. that, you know. Even people that have things like that that happen in their lives sometimes yes. don't connect all the dots to that being right. a great story. So how do we mm -hmm. kind of unearth those great stories? Because I think obviously with salespeople sometimes it's a client thing, or you know. But I always find yes. like the best stories are like stuff that happened to us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you an example of um, helping Gensler, the world's largest architecture firm, win a billion dollar sale renovating the Pittsburgh airport when they were up against two other firms. And they were literally told, look, anybody could do, you're all in the final three. You can all do the work. We're going to hire the people we like the most. Huh. And that's when they went, whoa, there's these soft skills actually make you strong. Yeah. You know, so, soft skills of storytelling, confidence, likability, empathy. So the story that I helped them turn their case study, which they basically had some great before and after pictures of another airport and another airline that they had helped, but there was no story there. So we used the same structure. We said, okay, two years ago, exposition is JFK approached us to renovate the, you know, wing for JetBlue. And the problem was during that time, we had to rip up all the floors in the middle of the night mm -hmm. and um, get it all done so that the stores could open at 9 a.m. the next morning without losing revenue. So we had all our vendors on call during the night, and sure enough, at 2 in the morning, a fuse blew, and we had somebody there in 20 minutes to fix it. And at 8.59, the last tile went down, and all the stores opened. And then a year after the design, sales are up 15% at the retail stores because people are spending more time shopping because of what we've done with our design. That is hitting all of the elements. The exposition, we know what airline, when, all that. So we're there, we see it. Then we know the problem. Got to rip up all the floors. There's a little bit of drama. And so instead of just saying, you know, we use critical thinking when we do a project, they showed it in a story instead of telling it. Yeah. And 
then the solution is the store is open on time. But the resolution of that story is sales are up 15% because of the design a year later. Yeah, yeah, the value. All right, so I'm telling the story. Mm -hmm. It's going really well. I've got a great story, but then the objections come. Um, How do we... And maybe it's a different skill, but you know it's going to happen. <laughs> so, how do we link kind of the story together with maybe the objections? So, if someone, you know, the two most common objections are um, we don't have enough money, or um, we need the, you know, this isn't a good time for us to make a decision. Correct. Right. And your, so, your question is, how could storytelling help overcome? one of those kinds of objections. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Because I'm, I'm thinking a lot of, you know, pe- people get good at like this story part and it paints a good mm-hmm. picture, but there's still quite often in the sales process going to be objectives. Um, and so sure. yeah, that, that's I guess my question. Objections. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so let's, let's take the most common one, which is your price is too high. Yep. Um, and, you know, we can use a story along with the, you know, concept of, you know, our, you know, our client, uh, JetBlue at JFK, um, when we gave them the bid, they felt that, gosh, this is more expensive than we thought. And um, we explained to them that when we did another airport in Toronto, that the reason that we needed to have this budget higher than expected, and then they just went on to tell another story where they describe a problem mm-hmm. and a solution, and they were so glad they had that money budgeted so that they didn't have to go, you know, fixing something in advance yeah. is much less expensive than having to fix something that you didn't plan possibly going wrong. Um, you know, that sometimes money you invest in things prevent problems uh, now and all that good stuff. So, again, storytelling as a way to handle objections, you just say, you know, you don't make them feel crazy for bringing up the question. Yeah. First of all, you listen and you look at it as a buying sign. Yeah. And then you say, you know, let me tell you a story of, of somebody else who felt the same way. And, and here's how they, they ended up justifying the cost or where they found the money or whatever it is. I've always been a big fan of case studies, you know, showing somebody, oh, yeah, your kind mm-hmm. of business. Here's the result we got for them. I mean, in a lot of ways, couldn't you use this idea of storytelling more effectively in written documents and web pages as, as well? Yes, I think um, you can certainly, if you don't have the opportunity to present your case studies in person or on the phone, mm. make sure that the case studies you have on your website use the same storytelling structure right. that just went over so that people are taken on a journey. And that's not just a bunch of before and after pictures with no story. Right, <laughs> which is the typical sort of, here, mm-hmm. here was the problem, here's the solution. Um, do you think in terms of, of companies equipping their salespeople or just a salesperson going out there and getting, uh, you know, training themselves, um, do they need to be looking for new skills, different skills? I think we're always needing to keep our skills honed and practiced. And when you get to the place where you think you know everything and don't need to practice anymore is when you really um, are not at your best. So I think, you know, if Tiger Woods still, um, you know, gets coaching and actors who've won Academy Awards still rehearse, we as salespeople definitely need to keep practicing. So what I'm assuming you do um, consulting on this very idea because you've you've talked about a couple examples of that. Um, yes. Do you have a process when you walk in? I mean, do you have to start unpacking the, you know, finding, unearthing these stories and then say, yeah, that's something that you guys ought to be using. I mean, what's, what's kind of your process for finding those with a company? Well, um, if I'm helping a company prepare for this one-hour interview against competitors, mm-hmm. um, the process is 
we reverse engineer the ending of the presentation. So many endings are, well, that's all we got. Any yeah. questions? <laughs> yeah. Horrible ending. Yeah. So I, I, we work on what do you want the audience or the potential buyers to think? What do you want them to feel? And what do you want them to do? Yeah. So we develop answers for that. And that'll be our closing. And then I said, okay, what's going to be the opening? Well, thanks for this opportunity. I'm excited to be here. Ugh. <laughs> Nobody cares that you're excited. It's not about you. So let's make sure that the opening pulls in our understanding of the problem and why we're the right people to solve it. Yeah. And then we look at the team slide, make sure there's some really interesting stories about why you became an architect or a lawyer or whatever it is you're doing, as opposed to, hi, my name is Joe. I've been here 10 years. Uh, nobody cares. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I was 11, I played with Legos, and that's what inspired me to become an architect. <laughs> now I have a son that's 11. I still play with Legos, and I would bring that passion to this job. Well, yeah. that's personal, memorable, all that. Yep. And then I work with, as we said, the case studies, turning those case studies into stories. So that's my process that helps people win. Because the problem, remember, again, is they're not memorable. Stories make you memorable. And you're instead of pushing out information, stories make you magnetic that you pull people in. Yeah, it, it, the, the process you just described doesn't sound uh, terribly unlike you might prepare a keynote speech, does it? It's very similar. Yeah. It's very similar. And people have to realize you've got to practice it and have structure and there's pauses and timing. So once we have the content down, then we start working on the delivery. Yeah. Speaking with John Livesey, author of Better Selling Through Storytelling. So, John, you want to tell people where they can find more information on you and, uh, of course, pick up a copy of the book. Right. If you text the word PITCH, P-I-T-C-H, to 66866, I will send you a free sneak peek of the book. Or you can go to my website, John Livesey, L-I-V-E-S-A-Y. If you can't remember any of that, just Google the PITCH Whisperer and my content will come up. Awesome. Well, John, it was great uh, finally getting this recorded and uh, hopefully we'll run into you soon out there on the road. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.